0: Morning, everybody. I thought this would be the last place I would be standing, but the Lord speaks, so here we are. (laughs) Um, So um, it was back in April time, actually, the Lord started speaking to me, um, and he put a message on my heart. um, And I believe it's for our church. Um, So it all began with a dream, believe it or not and I don't really like dreaming very much because I'm like, I want to go to bed and be out for the count and just wake up the next morning and finally get a really good, nice sleep. But, anyway, <laughs> you know, I, um, I had a dream where I was out there um, just outside the door in the stairwell, and there was a whole bunch of people um, coming in, and there weren't people who normally go to our church. I didn't know who they were. Um, and I was at the top of the stairs, and all of a sudden on the big white wall, I seen a stained-glass window. And then suddenly there appeared a map. And on the map, the word Babylon um, stood out to me. And um, (laughs) I was asking, (laughs) then I woke up and I was asking God, what the heck was that all about? I was like, was that a you dream or was that a me dream? Or what on earth was it all about? But um, I shelved it. And then over the next couple of weeks, the name Zerubbabel started to drop into my head. And I was like, okay. So then I went to scripture to look it up to see where to find it. Um, And that led me to Haggai. So from here, the Lord just really began to speak to me about where we as a people have placed our focus. Um, So we're going to take a look at Haggai, if you have your Bibles, if you want to open up to there. Um, I'll not go through it all, but it's only two chapters, so I'd encourage you um, to go home and read it. Um, But yeah. So a bit of context that um, the Lord had led the Jews out of captivity from Babylon in order to build him a temple um, in Jerusalem. And when they come out, up out of captivity from Babylon, they built an altar of sacrifice to the Lord. But they soon came up against opposition, and the king ordered them not to go ahead with the building of the temple. But even after the violence against them had died down, they did not go on with the building um, of the temple. So then we see the Lord um, speak to the people from here. And if you want to open up to Haggai chapter 1, um, verse 2. And the word of the Lord came from Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shelti governor of Judah, and Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. In verse 2 it says, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourself to dwell in the panelled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm, and he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts Consider your ways, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold it came to little, and when you bought it or brought it home it blew away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. So God spoke to people to go and build his temple, and then opposition came and they stopped the work that he called them to build, all because something stood in the way. Let me ask you the question, do we ever stop because we have barriers or obstacles, and we stop doing what God has called us to do? It could be fear what people think. As simple as maybe God asked you to step out and pray for someone in the street and you fear looking stupid or you fear their opinions or how they might react. Maybe you're trying to hold a reputation that you need to let go of. Is there a person or people that you don't really get along with? Is there a long list of excuses as barriers for you moving forward? For example, have you ever said, if I can just get to this point in my life, then I'll step out for God? Or maybe you're like me and my default is I can't. I can't do it. I say it all the time. Ask Thomas, it drives like crackers. It comes out of my mouth before I even realize it. And then comes, I don't know how to. And then I find myself feeling so out of my depth. But really, is our excuses just masking our lack of trust in God? Are we trusting in God for the areas that we see lack? You see, the Israelites' excuse was their time had not yet come for the rebuilding of God's temple, because they had not yet recovered from captivity. They were too focused, building their own homes, building their own families, looking after their children, while God's temple lied in ruins. It's not that they wouldn't, but they just kept putting it off. They said, not yet. Hands up, any procrastinators in the room? (laughs) How many of us actually feel captive by our own weaknesses and our own personalities? Maybe you're like me and you say, when I become a better communicator, then God can use me. Believe me, I did not think I would be up here. I don't believe I'm a good communicator at all. But God told me, and I had to be obedient. Doesn't mean that I like the process, but we say yes, and we do what he asks us to do, whether we feel like it or we don't. Or do we say, when I overcome my insecurity of sharing my faith, then I'll be open to God, using me as an evangelist? But what about when Scripture says, in my weakness, he is made strong? He's not looking for us to have the ability. He's just looking for a yes. Jordan DeMarco said it at a Kingdom Come the other week. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Yet oftentimes, maybe our delay in obedience is because we are doing it in our own strength instead of trusting in his power. You see, often the reality is we don't actually see how to get past our fears and our excuses in and of ourselves. So we stop because we can't see past our circumstances. However, God always has an answer. He gets us to be in places or positions that shouldn't even be possible. It's the beauty of a supernatural life that he calls us to walk with him. Yet how often are we too busy focused on ourselves, seeking to serve our own agenda and looking to see what we can get out of things. Instead, we need to realize that this life of worship isn't about us. None of this is actually about us. We're created to be in pursuit of one thing, him and his presence, instead of building our own little kingdoms around ourselves. So we see in Haggai, God called them to build a temple. And a temple was a place of worship. So that begs the question, what actually is worship? Well, it's lying prostrate before the Lord in surrender. Our worship is obedience. It looks like sacrifice. And sometimes sacrificial worship looks like, I'm going to step out and do what God asked me to do. Even if people laugh at me, even if I might mess up, I still will take the risk. I'd rather look like a fool for God than stand in a place of fearing what other people might think. In verse 8 of Haggai, the Lord called his people to build the temple so that he could take pleasure in it and that he would be glorified. It was a call to his people to get back to their first ministry, ministering to the Lord. Our first priority has to be ministering to the Lord. And we do this through worshipping him in song and deed, when we sing cooperatively and when we serve publicly. In fact, everything we do in church, every ministry at its core, has to be the desire to worship him. If I could talk just about musical worship for a second, I've been asking myself the question, what is the posture of my heart? Is my heart to seek him above all else? Or when I worship him, am I seeking him for what I can get out of it or what I can see him do? How many times are you in a worship set and you're not really feeling it, so you switch off? I've been there. But is that at the heart of worship? Or is that just looking for what we can get out of it? Do we actually just come and lay ourselves down on an altar and give him praise and worship because he deserves it, regardless of our feelings or our circumstances? Um, At Kingdom Come, Elisa, one of the upper room worship um, leaders, she came and reminded us of Psalm 100, verse 4, um, about how we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. And she reminded us how thanksgiving is thanking him for what he's done. And praise is agreeing with who he is. And it shows us that our songs can't just be a ritual or something we do before the sermon. How much do we actually just come and genuinely say we're here to worship you? What do you want to do today? We come with no agenda because God comes and he manifests his presence in a different way every single time. Every single time it will look different. And it's the beauty of relationship with him and I think... That's a really practical tool for us to come into worship with thanks and praise. Because if you think about it, when we genuinely thank someone, we're not thinking about ourselves anymore. The focus is off ourselves and it's onto Him where it should be. Um, so that's how God challenges us in, in Haggai. And in fact, one of the best ways we see this type of worship is illustrated with the Levites. Um, they were dedicated to ministering to the Lord in song, burning of incense, and giving sacrifices is what they spent their lives doing and Joshua 18:7 shows us that when the Lord was dividing up the portion of land between the tribes of Israel as an inheritance he gave all the other tribes of Israel a portion of the land but to the levites he didn't give them anything not one little bit but this is what God said to them he said i will be your inheritance think about that their reward was not material gain their reward was not what God could do for them the reward was his presence and that's our reward. Our reward is his presence. My question is, is that enough for you? There is something that happens when we delight in him, when, we become, when he becomes our reward. And the beautiful thing is that he wants to come to us too. And it's up to us to treasure his presence, giving him space to stay. Yes, he's here with us in our services. We know that because he says when two or three are gathered together, I am there. But there's something of a greater manifestation of his presence when we create a dwelling place for him not just as individuals but as a corporate gathering of people something happens the byproduct is that people get set free people get healed we see miracles all around us because it's a display of who he is but it's all centered around him do we rock up to services with an agenda do we rock up looking for breakthrough or looking for a word or do we actually just come to him and say we're here to worship you have your way today like, we need to understand what it's meant in Acts 2 when it says they gathered in one accord. Ephesians two nineteen to 22 Thomas read it out earlier. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his Spirit. He builds us together to make us temple, brick by brick, individual along individual, meaning we are built together. It's true that you can be at home and you can encounter God on your own. And it's important you do that. That is a really important thing to do. It's important we cultivate our relationship with God. But something happens when we gather together um, with other people that God comes we're not meant to be islands of our own, and just like Ephesians says, God wants us to come together so that we can He can come in a certain way. If you're at Kingdom Come, I don't know, there was just something about being in that tent. There was a hungry bunch of people who just gathered around one thing, Him and His presence, and that's all they wanted. And imagine what it would be like, look like for us, not as only as individuals, but as a group of people, to become a resting place for God. In Haggai, when the people started rebuilding the temple, God gave them a promise. Chapter 2, verse 6. Yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, so that the treasure of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this holy house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The promise is his glory and his presence set aside for when we gather together with others, which then is the power to attract unbelievers in the local vicinity in. We have a rich heritage in Don Patrick. It's a place where St. Patrick came. We've heard all the stories about what God has done in the island since. Yet maybe you have experienced the power of God through the likes of the Toronto blessing or when you first came to know Jesus. But you've now become discouraged because you're not seeing him moving the same far today. And Haggai shows us that there were these people um, in the temple, and they they saw the old temple the way it was before. And they saw it in all their glory, and they remembered it. And the one that they were working on now was nothing compared to it. And so they were weeping, and they were crying. But um, amongst them were people who were shouting and praising because the temple was being built, and they were joyful. But the Lord came and encouraged those who were weeping. And he said to them, what I'm about to do will be even greater than the glory of Solomon's temple. And that's why I believe that God's saying what he's about to do right now is going to be greater than anything we've ever seen, anything we've ever experienced before. Verse 9 says, The gladder glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. The rivals of the past came in the way they did, but he's doing a new thing right now. And I really feel like we're on the cusp of something. I don't know about everybody else, but he's coming. And he's doing a new thing, and it's going to be way greater than anything we've ever experienced before. He's coming to shake us up again. He's coming with his power and his presence, and it will be greater than anything we've ever experienced. And I believe he's doing something in Downpatrick, but it's far greater than us. It's far greater than this island. It's going to the nations. And um, if the band want to come back up again... This is what I really believe the Lord has led in my heart. It all begins with a surrender, people. Um, It's time to leave our personal Babylon's, to leave our own agendas, to surrender to his ways, regardless of our fears and our excuses, and build a community where he can dwell. My question for you today is, what is he asking you to lay down in order to help build his temple? Are we as a community going to come together to build him a dwelling place in Downpatrick? Will you actually surrender and give him everything that he deserves? It will cost you, but he's worth it. Um, is he enough for you? His glory's coming. <laughs> I really do feel it. Um, and he's just looking for a surrendered people. And his question is, are you willing to give me it all? So, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're coming in a greater measure. I thank you that you're coming in your manifest presence and your glory is coming to cover this place. And, Father, would you come and do something on the inside of us as a people that we would create a dwelling place for you and Downpatrick, that Downpatrick would become a dwelling place for the Lord, a place where you can come and stay and be welcome. Father, would you do something in our hearts? Would you stir us up, stir up with the hunger even more for more of you? And that, Jesus, would just lay ourselves aside? That we come and seek you in your presence? That you would be our one thing, and that would always be enough. So, Lord, I thank you. And I just pray that you will come and stir us up again. Stir us up and let your glory fall. In Jesus' name. Why don't you start?